Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious God, we thank you for the blessings we receive from your spirit moving among us. Speak to us anew and again in these words of scripture, in the sermon, in the meditations in the minds of hearts of us all. Help us to hear what you are saying to the church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Gospel of Matthew uh, contains the story of Jesus in the wilderness. Now this happens right after his baptism. Uh, in his baptism where he is called and claimed uh, and where he claims his role to, uh, to, to do so in all righteousness as he goes out into the world. And then we hear this. Listen for the word of the Lord as it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and nights, and afterwards he was famished. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the Son of God, <clears throat> if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, as Lord of the Rings has it and Frodo, uh, not all who wander are lost. Jesus is not lost when he's wandering out in the wilderness. Forty days, it says he was there. You may ask, why 40? Why not 39? Why not 41? Why not sort of a doable week at a time, um, once a month? Uh, here we have something instead that is evocative. Evocative of the history of Israel. When you say the word 40 immediately, everyone's going to think of 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years in the wilderness where the people of God under Moses' leadership wandered and discovered who they were. So this 40 days in the wilderness where Jesus is being tempted is a way of saying this is Jesus making it clear who he is, what his identity is. Now he says that he is going out into the world to fulfill all righteousness and that word in, uh, in the theology of the, of the Bible has four dimensions, virtue and correct behavior and relationships, justice and the laws rightly administered. It's a whole scope of things, the whole range of ethics uh, and, and that is part of what he will do but it's based on 
his story, who he is. That's what's being tested here. He's led by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, fasting for 40 days, no food for all that time. Why no food? Well, because with no food, he's hungry, no energy, he's lethargic, you can't think straight, there's chaos, seems to be all around, you stumble around when we're hungry and exhausted and alone and in the wilderness. That's when the devil comes. You see, we show who we truly are, not just at the best of times, but at our worst. So the devil, Satan, is portrayed here, portrayed as a person. But, you know, I want to say some of you may not be comfortable with the devil language. I'm not. Um, but I am really clear that there are dynamics of evil that happen in the world, not from one embodied person, because that isn't what's going on in this gospel either. I mean, Peter is referred to as being Satan, right? Uh, this hero of the church referred to as being Satan because anybody can be tempted to live out a different identity than their own and to be false to God. So when it talks about the devil, it's not a person. It's a spirit that can take over an individual or a group of people or, 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 or a nation. And so have we, we have here this demonic spirit tempting Jesus, saying, if you are the Son of God, that tone that he takes, the words that he uses uh, are uh, evocative also in, in the original language of a prosecutor in court, <laughs> putting somebody through their paces, testing them, probing them, uh, putting them down and finding a way to, to see who they really are and what their story really is. So this 40 days in the wilderness uh, with this prosecuting attorney is a stress test. A stress test for Jesus. You know, a stress test where the doctor puts on the monitors on your, your heart and your arms and your legs and your head and then makes you get on a treadmill and the, keeps on turning up the speed more and more and turning up the incline higher and harder. The stress test to see how strong your heart is, to see how strong your whole system is. This is Jesus' stress test. Uh, where, where we see who he truly is. And, and he pushes Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God, do you hear the sneer on his face when he says it? If you are the son of God, then, then who are you? What's your story? How do you fit? Uh, and, and, and so this story is part of something that can be helpful for us also as we ask the question, who are we? Because we live more than by thinking the moral life through uh, what the rules are. Um, we think of it more in terms of our story and the role that we have to play in particular situations. And in the course of our lives, do we define ourselves as a child of God? And do we react as a child of God? Baptism is God claiming us so that we might remember who we are. Jesus is tested if you are the Son of God, but he knows his role, he knows how to live. And he knows that bread is a good thing. 
And especially after you've been out there for 40 days and 40 nights with nothing to eat, bread is a very good thing. You're hungry, you're starving. You, you, you know, like Tom Cruise, you want to say, show me the manna, right? Uh, uh, so uh, you want the miracle. But what Jesus does not do here is take the easy way out. Uh, because that is part of the temptation to, to in, in, involve sort of a magical thinking or, or trying to make shortcuts in life to take the easy way out. Magic, miracles, shortcuts to salvation. That is not the way of Jesus. He is willing to engage life in ways that suffer because there's something more important. There are times when there is something more important that needs to be said or done. And so some sort of uh, magical lottery ticket faith will not work. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remembering who we are with how God is speaking to us and leading us. Now, we, we're going to tend often to, to hear this story and think it says, but to live by every word the Bible says. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says, by every word from the mouth of God, which is to say, we can't use the Bible and quote it and act like we therefore don't have to do any thinking about this. We've already been given the answer. It's from every word of the mouth of the living God. So the question of faithfulness uh, to, to God is not quoting the Bible, but rather listening to what God is saying. I, I love the Presbyterian Church. I love the Presbyterian Church because we don't go around quoting the Bible a lot to each other. Um, not that it is important, it is tremendously important, but we read the whole Bible, not just one verse. And, and we also have the creeds, so we're like involving, you know, our ancestors in the discussion when we're, we've got a tough decision to make. But we also look at history and philosophy and theology and ethics and, and we engage the church and the larger church and the ecumenical church and other voices in the world. And from all of those, we listen for the voice of the living God. So here's Jesus saying, you, you listen for the voice of God, every word that comes from the voice of God, which is a risk. It is a risk and it is hard work, but it is truly what guides us together. The devil secondly takes him to the pinnacle of the temple and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, take the easy way out. Uh, don't think you have to suffer. You can just cash, all, cash it all in now and not have to worry about things. But God wants us to recognize the power that we have. I think this passage is fascinating because Jesus quotes scripture at the devil and then the devil quotes scripture back at Jesus twice. Uh, as if to say, all you have to do is quote the Bible, but it is more than that. God wants us to recognize the power that we have the mind that we have, the will that we have, and that that is what we are given as children of God. And God won't do anything for us that we can't do for ourselves. 
God won't do anything for us that we can't do for ourselves. So this is, in this passage, a call to human responsibility to be who God has called you to be in every way. So we come to the third temptation. He takes him to a very high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Well, what is worship? But focusing on what is most important in life. And, and the, the, the tempter wants Jesus to think that, that if he has enough power that he doesn't have to suffer at all. But Jesus doesn't fall into that trap. He doesn't fall into that definition that is tempting for all of us. Because we come to think if we just have enough power, then nothing can ever hurt us. If we just have enough in our bank account, if we just have enough, uh, uh, if we just have enough well, thick walls around us, if we just protect ourselves from not letting anybody get to us, uh, th th then we will be okay. But the truth of the matter is that what ends up happening then is we cut ourselves off from other human beings. And we cut ourselves off from the beauty of life. I mean, you can think of it in this way. You never get hurt from love if you never love. But in order to love and to feel love, you have to take the risk of being hurt. And so it is with Jesus. He, he doesn't take the easy way out. He doesn't grab for power. He takes the road of vulnerability, of vulnerable love. And so, you know, I'm grateful to my colleague, Edwin, for last week uh, re referring to uh, my, my old teacher, Ed Farley, uh, that, that God gives us a sense of existential courage. I want to I unpack that a little bit further, that, that when Farley's talking about existential courage, it's not the macho courage of the culture. Um, it, it's not uh, that, that image of uh, somebody who's lifted weights and taken the steroids and, and, and has enough weapons and has enough of a fearsome attitude. No, the, 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 the courage that Jesus gives us is the courage to take risks and be vulnerable to the world. To be vulnerable so that other people can feel our love and we can feel theirs. That's the way of Jesus. Uh, and there is a hunger that we have, uh, more than the hunger for food, the hunger for human connection. The hunger for uh, other people, the, the compassion that if we're vulnerable to the world, we feel their hurt and their hunger. And therefore we respond to that. Jesus does not take the easy way out in this stress test situation. He defines himself by making himself vulnerable to the world and therefore showing that he is capable of love and so are we. What is fascinating to me in the study of good and evil is that when you really get down to it in the, in the Bible, evil is not some great power some great disembodied power in the world. Evil is a kind of weakness. Evil is the weakness that is the incapacity 
to abide and endure the chaos and the pain and the vulnerabilities of life. So it tries to strengthen and surround itself with protections and, 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 and push other people out of the way. But the way of Jesus is not that way. It is a way in a dehumanizing world to remember our humanity. So when the devil wants Jesus to worship him, Jesus remembers in this dehumanized world that worship of God helps us to remember our humanity and to claim it again. I think this story is truly about a clash of kingdoms um, and it asks the question, what kingdom do you live in? It asks the question, who are you? In the divine drama, what role has God called you to play? Because yours is a special and unique role. What is your God-given story and have you lived that out with a sense of passion? The passion, the courage that comes with the courage to love, the courage to be vulnerable. I like the poets because the poets sing of, uh, yes, our mortality. They see it and they claim it. Uh, a lot of poets claim our mortality, but through their words and images, they call us to live fully alive in the midst of that. Like Dylan, Dylan Thomas, when he writes, do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. That's the passion that Christ calls us to. The passion in the midst of the vulnerabilities of life. The sacred presence of God breaks down the power of the demonic. The sacred presence of God, that voice of God, breaks the hypnotic spell that evil has on people's lives and help us, helps us to live passionately as the people God calls us to be. And worship is about us gathering together to remember that God is calling us in an inhuman and dehumanizing world to make human life human again. I'd like to close with a story uh, that my teacher Henry Nowen told uh, when I was in seminary. Uh, I, I heard Henry tell this story a great many times. You have probably heard it before, but uh, you know, it's just one that uh, keeps on haunting me and sustaining me over all these years. Uh, the story goes like this. There's a young man uh, walking along the banks of the Ganges River in India. He sees an old man by the roots of a, a large uh, banyan tree by the river bank. And the man is down in the river trying to fish something out from shore, trying to reach in and get it, but he keeps on pulling back. And as the young man comes to look and to see, he sees that the old man keeps reaching out to rescue a scorpion that has fallen in the water. But every time he gets near the scorpion, the scorpion rears back and stings him. So he has to pull his hand back from the, from the, 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 the writhing pain. And the young man cries out, you silly, stupid old man. Why are you trying to save that ugly, useless creature who does nothing but sting you? 
And the old man's quiet for a few moments. Then he looks at the young man and he says, if it is the nature of the scorpion to sting, why should I give up my nature, which is to save? If it is the nature of the scorpion to sting, why should I give up my nature, which is to save? That's the story of Jesus who reaches out in vulnerability, in vulnerable love to save the world, to save all of us. And he sets us free to remember our power to save through him. Amen.